What's going on guys? Just another critic here and you already know it's week three and with week three comes the week three predictions. Um, I'm going to be covering one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matchups in uh, a little detail for you guys today as well as talking about the notable games that are, they might be fun to watch but we pretty much have an idea of who's going to come out on top and so as well as touch on some of my upset alerts for the week. But yeah, week two was great. Two big colossal matchups with massive implications. We saw how those played out. Uh, this week, we don't necessarily find ourselves in the same situation as far as those types of matchups. We still get some fun matchups, but no ranked versus ranked type, you know, big time implication matchups. However, with that being said, the first matchup I wanted to talk about is Washington State versus Houston. I believe that game is on Friday, um, September 13th, 14th, something like that. Don't quote me. But uh, yeah, with both teams, we've if you've been keeping an eye on Washington State, they've practically been blowing everybody out. Um, they played New Mexico State as well as North Colorado. So as expected, they did what was expected of them. Seems like they've got themselves another quarterback that pretty much plugged himself into Mike Leach's offense. And he's finding success early. Um, he's looked good, but of course, we don't know how good he's going to look once they get into conference play. And as much as, as much as you know, Houston is a bad team, this is probably their toughest test that they're going to see so far on both sides of the ball, which is kind of sad, but... You know, like like I said last week, most teams are in the cupcake phase of their schedule, so it's just something we gotta we gotta live with. Um, so, what we do know about both teams, both explosive offenses, from what we've seen in the past, and uh, from what we've seen in week one and week two. However, Houston's defense is practically looking like a JV type high school team, right? They they just they look lost out there. So I think that's obviously not going to help their case at all as far as winning this game. But um, we don't really know what Washington State, Washington State's defense is going to look like because we haven't really seen them play any team as explosive as Houston. You know, we still have to respect the fact that they have De'Eric King. They've pretty much returned all their top wide receivers and uh, returned, you know, a few of their running backs. So... They've got the guys. They brought them back. But are they going to be able to find their rhythm much earlier? Because as we saw in that Oklahoma game, they found their rhythm late and were able to put up some points. But early on in the first quarter and in this, uh, basically the first half as a whole, it was kind of inconsistent play on offense. And so um, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what they're able to do. Washington State, that's the biggest thing that I want to see is – what their defense is able to do against a quarterback like De'Ara King. Uh, and not only, you know, it's not necessarily his passing ability that's going to scare most teams. It's his ability to leave the pocket. And so he loves to leave the pocket. He loves to make plays that way. And I expect to see him uh, do the same uh, versus Washington. So Washington State as a whole, they returned 13 guys from a season ago. And uh, they went 11-2 and two a season ago pretty quietly. But, I mean, we never really expected them to find a spot in the playoff just because 
just because of the stigma surrounding um, the Pac-12. But uh, six, six, six of those returners are on defense, and that defense, you know, wasn't exactly the greatest when playing decent offenses. So I'm curious to see if they've improved how they're how they're gonna look versus King and uh, this explosive Houston side. But uh, yeah, the, the simple discrepancy between these two teams, like I've talked about, is the defense. I don't think Washington State can get even as close to as bad as Houston D uh, as the Houston defense looked so far in its first two you know weeks. Uh, Houston has showed some, like I said, inconsistencies on offense. But I expect by week three that you know I don't they don't have to be clicking on all cylinders, but I expect that they're gonna find their rhythm much earlier, and especially against a side like Washington State who have who hasn't seen um, this type of offense in 2019 yet. So I think it's just one of those things where they're gonna have to break in the Washington State defense, catch them up to speed, and then in the second half they'll they'll have a better. Uh, gauge and they'll have a a, they'll find their rhythm is what I'm trying to say and so Washington State offensively they've been they've been clicking from the jump but um, with all that being said it's it's definitely a possibility that Houston can somehow find a way to get it done but with the way that their defense has been looking I just can't I just can't put that trust in them right now Um, at this point I got Washington State winning it Final score, Washington State 55, Houston 27. Final score, Washington 55, Houston 27. Moving along to the second matchup, I have Maryland taking on Temple. Um, obviously, talked about Maryland uh, in week two taking on Syracuse, had them picked. Didn't think they'd blow Syracuse out as much as they did, but I'm happy they did because I, I, just, I just like seeing teams um, that have struggled in years past you know, f- begin to find their way to the top. Um, but we still have we still have a lot of things to find out about Maryland. They're making noise early on in the season. A year ago, they lost to this Temple team. So if I didn't if I didn't say uh, Maryland's taking on Temple in Temple, but yeah, Temple beat them a season ago. I think the final score was like thirty four to seventeen, something something like that. Uh, and I, and I feel like this is a matchup that might be worth covering. I mean, if it isn't clear enough, Maryland looks like a completely different team in 2019 uh, with, you know, head coach Mike Loxley leading the charge. Temple, on the other hand, basically returned the same guys from a season ago, uh, seven on each side of the ball. And I can see this as a, as a big revenge game for Maryland. Um, and, you know, especially for the players that were a part of this team last season. And so right now it's a bit hard to gauge at the moment what Temple's going to look like because they opened up against Bucknell. Uh, but of course, took care of business, smashed them. and um, But we, we, we still have just more question marks than we do have answers from that game. Their quarterback play a season ago was terrible. I think for every touchdown he threw, he threw a pick. So it was like 14 touchdowns, 14 picks. Ridiculous. Um, nobody really stands out for me on Temple. And... Uh, that 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 isn't surprising because you know with these teams in in these types of conferences they usually play team football if they are having success with maybe a standout quarterback and one standout defender but um right now 
not seeing anybody who you know sticks out on the on the Temple foot, football team, but we can find out real quick if they do have a guy in week uh, in week three in this matchup. Uh, I think Maryland's gonna look to put this uh, put this game out of reach early, but if the you know Temple Owls expect to have any success, they'll they'll pretty much need to control the tempo of the game. You know, time of possession type stuff, slow, methodical drives. But I'm not sure they can go into a shootout, right, with Maryland because of how uh, how explosive they've been and how much speed they actually have on that side of the ball. Um, but right now, I think Maryland's on fire. I'm not sure uh, Temple's going to be the team to put that out. And, of course, I'm going to be going with Maryland on this one. My final score, Maryland 45 Temple 24. Once again, final score, Maryland 45, Temple 24. Third matchup I want to cover is number two, Alabama taking on South Carolina. Had to get a quick drink of water. Um, Yeah, so number two, Bama versus South Carolina. Last time these teams played was roughly a decade ago. South Carolina... Uh, basically, the series right now is a 4-10 record against Alabama. But interestingly enough, they've actually won three of the last five. With that being said, I don't really see any of those numbers playing a role in this game at all on Saturday. South Carolina lost their starting quarterback in the opener, but they bring in freshman uh, Helinski to take over. But the the vast majority of people that I've seen have seemed pretty happy with the change at quarterback. Um, you know, a lot of people felt like Jake Bentley wasn't living up to his potential, especially after, you know, seeing four quarters of him versus UNC. But we'll, we'll see what Helinski can do. He looked good in week two, but they played there. They played an FCS opponent. Um, so, of course, Alabama is going to be a completely different animal. And this will probably be the best team there they'll face all season um, outside of Clemson uh, at the end of the year. Defensively, they looked poor in their opener versus the true freshman quarterback. Uh, I believe his name is Sam Howell over at uh, UNC, which really isn't a good sign at all because you've got Tua coming to town with those elite set of wide receivers um, and so I'm not sure they'll be able to, if they can't stop Sam Howell, you're not going to be able to stop Tua. So at the same time, if you guys have been listening to some of the things I've been saying about Alabama, I'm still not optimistic about their O-line. And that's because I've been, I've been seeing the O-line struggle with not only Duke, New Mexico State, but now they're going to be facing probably one of the better front fours that they've faced early on in the season of course and so that the the biggest thing that uh you know scares me is that if they can't protect Tua not only is that going to affect their game but that's going to affect his health so we'll see how it plays out i mean they're still trying to gel together and figure it out but we'll see what happens still skeptical about the o line maybe they'll ch- change my mind this week um, as well as uh, the run game. Run game hasn't really looked like it's been in years past at Alabama. We'll see, though, right? Because 
there's I, I feel like they don't know who the their the number one guy in the backfield is. It was supposed to be Najee Harris. To be honest, I'm not sold on Najee Harris at all. Uh, Robinson looks a lot better, but at the same time, he just, I don't know, something something just isn't clicking right now for the running backs, and hopefully they can figure that out. Defense, on the other hand, they've actually rotated through a lot of young players in their two games versus Duke and New Mexico State. It seems like they practically treated those games like scrimmages, right, preseason games, to rotate all these guys, get a feel for uh, how they're going to look, give them some game time experience. But I think we're going to see uh, what the official, you know, starters and the ones look like come Saturday. Overall, I think we'll see Alabama's best performance in all phases of the game in this SEC opener on Saturday. And I think it could be similar to their SEC opener a season ago versus Ole Miss, where they completely obliterated Ole Miss. Uh, I think the final score was 63-7. to uh, my final here, of course, I have Alabama winning. Final score, Bama 51, South Carolina 17. Once again, final score, Bama 51, South Carolina 17. Moving on, I wanted to talk about the uh, UCF-Stanford matchup. Now, right now UCF's ranked 17th, and... You know, they really they really need some Power 5 opponents on their schedule if they're ever going to have a chance to put their, put their names in the college football playoff conversation. And Stanford was one of those teams that they were hoping could be a bigger name on their schedule uh, when this time came around. But unfortunately, they won't really, really be able to prove themselves versus Power 5 opponents. Simply because this game has been diminished by, you know, Stanford's loss of KJ Costello and their poor start in the regular season with an unimpressive win versus Northwestern and then a loss in week two to a true freshman in USC. And so still, with that being said, Stanford is a good uh, good football team with a solid coaching staff. And I think they're going to have a chance to win this game for that reason alone. But UCF, on the other hand, bring back eight starters on offense, which has never been an issue for them. We all know UCF is explosive and can score points in bunches. They don't have the biggest you know, and strongest guys, but they have some of the fastest, most explosive dudes, right? Being in Florida, that's where a lot of the speed comes from. And it seems like UCF has been uh, rotating through different quarterbacks. And I think we're going to see the true freshman Dylan Gabriel start at QB1 on Saturday, but we'll see, right? They've been rotating through them. Uh, Both have looked good in the system, right, with uh, Brandon Wimbush, who transferred from Notre Dame. I think Wimbush brings an extra edge with his athleticism and his size to the table, as well as much more experience at the college level. Defense, on the the other hand, for UCF, uh, you know, has been inconsistent at times and allowed 20 uh, 20 plus points in at least seven games a season ago, but they've been able to outscore most of their opponents except for their last game in the 2018 season versus LSU, but they still put on a great showing. Uh, all that being said, UCF will be at home with an underrated atmosphere. I think UCF will win. Um, I think it might be close at times. 
Um, but my, but right now my final score is UCF forty one, Stanford thirty. Once again, final score UCF forty one, Stanford thirty. Moving on to the next matchup, we're going to number twenty four, USC versus BYU in Provo. Uh, both sides coming off great wins, uh, where pretty much majority of people didn't expect them to come out on top. With USC having a new quarterback running the show, true freshman Caden Keaton uh, Slovis, whatever his whatever you, however you pronounce his first name, uh, yeah, he's running the show now. He looked much sharper offensively than they did with JT at the helm. Just my opinion. USC is very young on defense, but stacked with talent. Uh, they're one of my breakout units of 2019, which I talked about in my preseason sleeper picks. And I think they're going to give Zach Wilson some trouble with the uh, with the speed that they possess from not only the front four, but that pretty much trickles back to the safeties. The linebackers, the corners, uh, all those guys in between are just as fast. Uh, USC, you know, they've never had issues when it comes to recruiting. That's and it's just never been in question. The question as of recently has been if they're going to be able to put those pieces together and after Slovis's performance, it gives us an optimistic outlook on pretty much what this team might be able to do in 2019. But we'll see, right? We've only seen them in two weeks, and we've only seen Slovis versus a, you know, a, a diminished, broken Stanford team. But they are still a good team, and it was still a great performance. So, not to take any credit away from him, BYU. Returned uh, tons of experience like they talked about earlier in the season from a year ago, but they haven't really looked as good as I expected them to. I'm still high on their quarterback, Zach Wilson. I think he's a playmaker, but they really haven't been able to put together consistent possessions on offense, which I believe is contributed, uh, which is attributed to a poor system put together by the staff. I just think if he was playing in a different system, he'd find a lot more success. Um, and I think right now he is he is a he's basically has himself in a in a in a terrible system, and he is a result of that. And uh, so with by with BYU playing at home, I think they might have a chance to keep it close early, especially you know with Slovis getting his first start on the road. And BYU they typically have a pretty good home crowd, uh, pretty good student section. And they can get it rocking in there. So I think USC will pull away in the second half, though, to win in a close one in the fourth. My final score is USC 31, BYU 23. Once again, final score, USC 31, BYU 23. And uh, yeah, I might not have uh, talked about their running back, Vai Vai Malapiai. Don't sleep on him either. And they've got some great wide receivers as well. Amon Ross St. Brown as well as a few other guys who can go out there and make some plays. Um, moving on to a big rivalry game. I think this is where college game day is going to be, if I'm not mistaken. It is the uh, Iowa versus Iowa State game. Uh, Iowa ranked 19th, and with rivalry games, they're just a bit different, right? Everything on paper can have you leaning one way, and then the game plays out completely different. Uh, in this in this series, though, Iowa has dominated. I believe they have a four-game win streak over the Cyclones, 
um, right now. Iowa have been playing well so far. Quarterback Stanley has six touchdowns, zero interceptions in his first two games. Seems like right now they have a you know, running back by committee, so they're pretty much just rotating through guys. I don't know if that's because of the opponents they've been playing or because that's how they're, they're planning on approaching the season. Um, but we're going to find out on Saturday. Their biggest threat at wide receiver, from what I've seen so far, is uh, his name's Amir smith Marset. The dude is a big-time deep threat. Um, he can go up and get it. He's got great speed. He just looked like a great wide receiver overall. Um, defense on the other side is typically a gritty, you know, gritty, gritty unit. But they have, uh, haven't really been tested yet. So we're going to find out. Iowa State, on the other hand, has only played one game. So we haven't really seen uh, a, a, a real sample size of, of this team. So, and that was when they played Northern Iowa in week one where they nearly got upset. With that being said, you know, they nearly got upset. It doesn't really worry me because Iowa State always seems to make hard work of lesser opponents than show up big when it matters most, right? That's just kind of like what they do. They struggle versus weak opponents and they show up big versus big opponents. It's weird, right? But that's just kind of what they've done in recent years. Um... Outside of losing uh, Montgomery and Butler, right, their number one running back and their number one wide receiver, they practically return everyone from a season ago, eight on each side of the ball. Um, but those guys brought some critical production on the offensive side of the ball. And so the biggest question for me is who's going to step up to help Brock Purdy? And just looking at their roster... I don't I don't really see anybody on there that stands out to me and that's going to be able to be that guy at this point in the season. I think they'll eventually find out who that guy is or who those guys are as the season moves along, but in week 2, that's going to be tough. I for me in my opinion that's going to be tough for them to have that person or or that guy step up, but hey, I could be wrong. That's how college football works, but at this point I'm going with Iowa Hawkeyes Big Ten. Final score, Iowa 23, Iowa State 17. Once again, final score, Iowa 23, Iowa State 17. The last matchup I want to talk about is the uh, Florida-Kentucky game. Right now, I believe Florida's ranked 8th. And uh, both sides have their own issues, right? Florida with off-the-field issues. Some might call it internal or cultural issues which, you know, I I tend to agree with Uh, Kentucky, on the other hand, their issues more so, you know, have to do with losing actual production, Um, lost more than half of their starters from a season ago, but returned leaders on both sides of the ball with uh, quarterback Terry Wilson, but he was just ruled out for the season. And then on defense, they have uh, middle linebacker Cash Daniels. So... You know, Kentucky's going to bring be bringing in a new guy, Sawyer Smith, at quarterback. Pretty sure he's a transfer from Troy. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, Florida have been consistent on defense this season, and they return eight guys on that side of the ball. So that, you know, that kind of correlates as towards their uh, towards the success that we've been seeing from them. On offense, we've all been critical of Felipe Franks because of his inconsistency. 
especially just some of the things that he's been saying that he said on the sideline, right? When that game was televised by ESPN and then going out there and throwing a pick and and whatnot. Yeah, um, I think he does have the talent, uh, you know, around him as far as, you know, the, the, the skilled players that he has surrounding him. But it's just a matter of putting the pieces together, right? Finding the chemistry, uh, getting your timing down with your wide receivers, setting up your protections correctly, and and pretty much being a quarterback. Uh, but he's just really been inconsistent early in the season. I think I think he, as an individual, has the talent to be a good quarterback. I think uh, you know he's got the size. He's got the uh, he's got he's pretty athletic for size. He's got a big arm. Just not sure that he has the uh, he has the IQ right, that quarterback IQ and that poise required to be great at that position. So I can see this game going either way, only because of how inconsistent Florida has been on offense. But I believe uh, the Florida front four is going to be a, a big problem for Kentucky, combined with a new quarterback playing in enemy territory. In his first start, I just don't see that being um, conducive. You know, I don't see that playing out very well for Kentucky. So the circumstances that they're in with the injuries and and the production that they've lost, I just it'll be hard for me to see them uh, finding a way to make this happen uh, offensively, but. If anybody's going to blow this game, it's going to be Felipe Franks. And he's just going to throw some bad picks, make some bad reads, and um, give the game to Kentucky. But at this point, I think the defense of Florida will overwhelm Kentucky and will ultimately win them this game. My final score, Florida 30, Kentucky 20. Final score, Florida uh, Florida 30, Kentucky 20. Notable games to look out for, Clemson taking on Syracuse. Of course, the whole uh, narrative here is that Syracuse always gives Clemson issues. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I think with that narrative in the back of Clemson's head, they're going to want to go out there and make a statement game out of it, Um, especially with the way Syracuse got absolutely obliterated by Maryland. I don't see a very different outcome in this game, and so I got Clemson... um, beating up on Syracuse in this one quite easily. I'll I'll post my final scores on these matchups on my Instagram, so you can go check those out. They've actually been pretty close to accurate if you go ahead and look over uh, the last few that I've posted. But yeah, let's uh, stay on track here. The second matchup is number uh, 18th, Michigan State, taking on Arizona State at home. Uh, Michigan State will be at home. And I think ASU is very uh, overrated. I don't know. I think if you haven't really watched them, you might think they have a chance in this game. But if you follow them as closely as I do, they're about to get beat up by Michigan State. That defense is ridiculous. Offense seems to be clicking after week two. Um, But yeah, overall, I think ASU isn't going to be able to do anything. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State posts a shutout. But yeah, I got Michigan State winning in this one easy. Uh, third notable game, Oklahoma taking on UCLA in California. Um, UCLA, right? Uh, 
Chip Kelly. They've just been so bad. I don't see any way for them out of this game. Out of this game winning. Um, Oklahoma is just, just going to completely shred these dudes. Jalen's probably going to play one half. They're going to rotate their second guy, second and third guys, Tanner Mordecai, um, you know, Spencer. Uh, Rattler's going to come in and then continue to tear UCLA's defense to shreds. So I don't I don't think UCLA has a way out of this one. OU wins that big. And then we've got uh, number 25, Virginia taking on Florida State. As much as I want to say and, and find optimism in Florida State, the way that they've looked in week one and week two, I can find optimism in their offense, right? Offensively, they've... They were there for one half versus Boise State and then ended up putting up, I think it was 45 versus Louisiana Monroe. It's the defense that hasn't been showing up this year, if you think about it. Um, So if the defense can show up, maybe they'll make a game out of it. But we already know what um, Virginia's defense is going to be, right? A lot of highly touted uh, guys in the secondary. They've been playing well overall. Uh, Beat Pitt in week one beat up on uh, William and Mary in week two, and Florida State continues to struggle. And with the way that they're struggling, I just don't know if uh, they're going to find a way to, to, to beat uh, a Virginia team that's on a roll right now and that's looking to to be uh, in the conference championship come December. So we'll see how that plays out, but I think Virginia is, is just going to get an easy win out of this. Florida State, I just don't think they're at mental. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're where they need to be mentally to get a win over this Virginia team. With that being said, the last thing I'm going to cover is the upset alerts, and my three upset alerts for the week are Furman versus Virginia Tech, Georgia Southern versus Minnesota, and NIU versus Nebraska. Once again, upset alerts of the week: Furman taking on Virginia Tech, Georgia Southern versus Minnesota, NIU versus Nebraska. Uh, Furman's a very good FCS team. Virginia Tech, I feel like they still don't have it together uh, with you know a combination of internal issues that happened last year. I feel like some of that has carried over into the 2019 season. Uh, Georgia Southern, on the other hand, triple option, 10-3 and three season a year ago, and they're always dangerous, man. They've got some speed on that offensive side of the ball. Defense... Uh, has looked pretty good at times. I've actually went back and watched a few of their games. And so I think they can give Minnesota some trouble, especially with the way Minnesota has struggled in their first two opening weeks. First uh, first game was versus South Dakota State, right? And they barely won that game. And then second week was versus Fresno State, a team which lost most of their production in the offseason. And uh, they struggled again, barely won in overtime. So I... I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia Southern wins this game. Um, And if not, it's going to be a close one either way, in my opinion. Uh, With that, last one was NIU versus Nebraska. I just believe Nebraska, with the way that they've been playing as of lately, anything can happen. And so that's why I decided to put them on upset alert. And so we'll see what happens. Anything can happen. Even the games that I mentioned above that are just notable games that's college football anybody can get upset on any given saturday and that's why we watch the game we'll see what happens uh but with all that being said guys 
Always appreciate your support for listening to the podcast, following me on my social media accounts. You know, any and all support uh, is appreciated. And if you got value from this episode, please go ahead and leave an honest review. If you uh, need links in the in the description for the podcast or my social media accounts, they're going to be there. And yeah, I think I pretty much covered everything. Hope you all have a great rest of your day, evening, or night. This is Just Another Critic signing off. Peace.